I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. At 5,000 feet in the air, America's first hijacking took place. Stay tuned to hear all about that on The Reluctant Historian. everybody, I'm Liz Lawson, and this is our Reluctant Historian. Dakota Lawson. This is the podcast where I try to show my husband that history is actually cool. So, if you love history, or you absolutely hate it, this podcast is for you. We would like to begin by recognizing that we are recording on Treaty 6 territory and the homeland of the Métis Nation. We make this acknowledgement and recognition that we are settlers here on the land that belongs to the many different First Nations of Turtle Island. Okay, so I think I basically told you what today's episode is no, about. No, you didn't. You are trying to trick me. <laughs> This one is actually about ghost ships. You got it. Yeah. So what do you think today's episode is about, Dakota? Uh, so, okay, so first hijacking of an airplane. But I'm like, I'm trying to think of like, how far does hijackings go back? You know? That's a great question. Look it's at like, you thinking. Well, like, I'm just like, the right bro. <laughs> The Wright brothers are like up in their plane, and uh, the ones like. Why did you all of a sudden go up in their plane? <laughs> they're up in their plane because it's old time here. Oh yeah, up, so. they're up in their plane, and and uh, um, I don't know their first names, so we'll just go with uh, there's Jonathan and Boogsby. Boogsby. <laughs> there's Boogsby. He's also a bear. Oh okay. Uh, he's the he's the brother they don't take out much. Ah yes. Uh, so no. Jonathan is up there, and he's like he's in the front, and he's like we've done it, Boogsby. We have mastered. Air travel. And Boogsy goes, I'm the captain now. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, I like the story. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's how it that's how it happens. So Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I'm guessing not, but not about Boogsby and Jonathan. But, but, but my, my like my mind obviously goes to nine eleven, but I also don't think that, that can't that be the wasn't first, the first right? No. Like that's like that's the that's the big one. That's the big one. But, yeah. Well, I mean, yes, that's the big one. I mean, there are a lot of, like, big ones, but I think oh, 9-11 does overshadow. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, so the first one. Hmm. What was the first one? Yeah, so um, I have to read this. Oh. <laughs> so <laughs> okay. I'm surprised that I looked into this topic because, you know, airplane crashes. But interestingly, this didn't freak me out all that much. Oh. <laughs> so for today's Wicked Wednesday, we are looking at what some people call America's first hijacking, the story of Ernest Larry Pletch. Whoa, Wicked Wednesday. There you go. You got it. Uh, yeah. So. <laughs> so, sorry. Are you familiar with the Ernest movies? Yes, I freaking love them. They're they're really Ernest good. Scared Stupid was like one of my favorites. Really? You I... should watch that every Halloween. Oh, is it? Okay, so here's the thing. Okay, I the say troll. I'm a... troll. It's so scary. It what? like drools on things. The what does? The troll. It's a troll. Oh, it really? turns it turns the children into little pieces of wood, and what? he has like this drools mucus snot that oh, comes God. out of his mouth, and he is so scary, and yeah. it's so good, and we're gonna watch it. So Absol- this is the first time I've said to okay. you we're gonna watch a show. Yeah, so, absolutely. Like, and I'm so in. Yes. I, okay, and I, I I'm a little bit of a poser because I feel like I've probably only seen one, maybe two Ernest movies, but. 
I loved them and they they're they're so great. So this is uh you know there's there's Ernest what was that one you mentioned? Scared stupid. Ernest scared stupid. Ernest goes to camp. Ernest hijacks plane. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's like it gets really dark. It's yeah. like it's like he's on the plane. He just puts on his back. Get like get on the fucking ground. Get on the fucking ground. I don't even know how Ernest talks. No, he's I, like very. Uh, uh, I can't even imagine his voice right it, now. It's very like ah, up there. You know, it's not mm. like, but that's not even a good impression no, of it. So and, <laughs> he sounds like he sounds like a uh, oh, uh, not a crow. Maybe a crow. Maybe. <laughs> um, what my impression was. Go. Unfortunately for your story. Most people call him Larry, not what? Ernest. What? His name is Larry. So it doesn't work because he's not called Ernest. They don't call him Ernest. His name's Larry. He goes by Larry. Why did he say Ernest then? Or well, is he Ernest? Name. That's his name. Like he was born Ernest. That's what they named him. But he doesn't go by it. So you know how I was born? My name's Elizabeth. It is. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't go by that. I go by Liz. Same sort of idea. You go by Liz? Fuck you. I've been telling people your name was Lizard all along. Nice <laughs> <laughs> w- w- witch cackle. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, yeah. So what's your golden nugget? Uh, yeah. I mean, I we had some movers come bring a couch yesterday. Yes, yesterday. Uh, so we got that a new big ass couch. It's no longer a living room or a flex space upstairs. It is now a couch room. Yes. And we love it. I think it's eventually going to grow and take over the entire house it might it, it just might yeah so um but that's not even the golden nugget the golden nugget is that i was sitting here playing my video games in my oh, yeah. in my little nerd cave and all three of the movers were just like they were all one one was like oh nice nice setup and then the other one was like uh oh you playing the new god of war what and then he was like asking questions about my pc builds. and then the third one came in and he's like i'm just looking at all your nintendo figures and he's like and he had apparently had has more than i do he's like 80 and like uh, like every almost every nintendo uh entertainment system like the original copy of every video game and so we had a really good chat chat about that i showed him my, my like little zelda game and watch and my mario game and watch the little little games that yeah and he's like oh man like i asked i'm asking for the one of those for the christmas this year oh, and like so cute like oh it is fun to be an adult and have disposable money <laughs> <laughs> yeah like what so two weeks or last week i guess we had friends over um mm-hmm. and yeah you it was mm-hmm. late and you it was like 10 30 and i was like well these people probably want to go to bed but you like dragged them in here and you were like look at all my I toys i didn't drag look- them <laughs> they wanted to okay yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's so funny when i watch you um show off your yeah. like toys and stuff like yeah, it's what? so like you're like a child like in a really cute way yeah. um, <laughs> it's just like you just spin on on these things and you're like and then i have this street shark and then you can come over and play with me <laughs> Like I literally, did, he I did, did say I that. I did say that to to <laughs> so. him. Um, yes, I I believe the word is whimsical. No, I am whimsical. Whimsical. Yes. yes. What is your golden nugget? Well, I was also going to say the couch, but oh, uh, you can you talk talk about that because I. It's nice. It's big. It's space for sleeping. That's true. The dogs um, love it. The, oh, they do. Louise like scuttled her little face into it and was like mm-hmm. rubbing herself all yeah. over it. She was so happy when <laughs> yeah. she like realized that this couch was for her um we did buy it for her because um when we were at my sister's house before we moved in here um she has an ottoman in front of her couch so she could make like a big couch um and our dogs loved it and so we we definitely bought a couch for them 
that yeah. has like that sort of idea, the mm-hmm. Ottoman pullout thing. But my other golden nugget is that we've been using our games room a lot. We've had uh, two two weekends now in a row where we've had our friends over to play games and it's been lovely. And so for Christmas, we're actually going to make that our project. Yeah. And paint it and put the sconces on the wall and some picture frame molding. It's going to look real dope. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. And then I feel like that'll also light a fire under our uh, bed oxes to... Uh, save up for those chairs yeah to find some chairs that we need for it well the thing that sucks about those chairs though is that like i don't understand why chairs are like oh i'll spend 200 dollars on one chair that's stupid I know. it is it is ridiculous like we got our dining room table and chairs so granted those are thrifted chairs um but we got six dining room chairs and a table for 250 dollars. so i don't yeah. understand why where like, these companies are getting off being like oh one one chair two thousand actually yeah. that's that that was an exaggeration one chair 200 <laughs> like yeah that's just stupid yeah yeah no it's it's ridiculous so it's gonna be a little bit to save up for unless we find some really nice thrifted chairs yeah i I keep my eyes open but we'll see that's good you need those to see i do yeah yeah so all right let's get into it so ernest who was known to his family as larry came from an apparently good home his father guy was a wealthy farmer and county legislator from frankfurt indiana (laughs) and he was able to provide his family with a life of privilege you ever seen you've seen undergrads right no Oh no! No. Oh, there's a guy. There's a guy named Guy. Hey, Guy. <laughs> Teresa will. Teresa will know. Good. Uh, Larry was considered to be a talented mechanic, a genius with machinery, and is said to have tinkered more with the tractors and cars on the family farm than actually pulling his weight while farming. While he was still in school, Larry begged his father to buy him an airplane. Which I'm like, what? <laughs> you could just buy da- airplanes, Daddy. I want an airplane. Yeah, that's so weird. Uh, and let him take flying lessons, as his dream was to become a pilot. However, Guy insisted that Larry finish high school first. In an act of defiance, Larry instead quit school in 1926, struck out on his own, and impulsively married the first of his four wives. It's likely that Larry more or less lost contact with his family at the time, as the nomadic life he lived between 1926 and 1939 was scarcely something that his father would have approved of. It's unclear how he supported himself during this time. One newspaper at the time described him as a farmhand, but it's probably more likely that he made a living as a mechanic, since we know he preferred working on cars and tractors. Also around this time, he began to study flying, working solely from books to learn. It wasn't until 1938 when, according to his obituary, he took a job at a traveling fair that offered brief airplane rides to thrill-seeking individuals. And this was no ordinary traveling show. Larry was working at the Royal American Shows, which was an enormous traveling fun fair that toured through the United States and Canada for nine months of the year, billing itself as both the most beautiful show on earth and as the proud possessor of the world's largest midway. So you can kind of midway. think. Yeah, like think of like the, the exhibition, how we go to the exhibition and there's right. like, yeah. So this. I ro- midway was like a fair? A big yeah. fair? Yeah. So the midway, I believe, is like where the, 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 like the games happen. Well, the, I mean, that might make sense because, um, so there's a thing, Midway Arcade, I think is a mm-hmm, thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. think that's a thing. So that might, might make sense and why that's called yeah. that. Yeah. So at this time they said they had the largest Midway. Oh, cool. Yeah. Larry would have worked on attractions alongside burlesque dancers. I don't know why I put that in there. I, <laughs> to, <laughs> to show that he's a naughty boy. <laughs> yeah. When the fair traveled, it did so using its own special train, which at its peak consisted of almost 100 carriages. So, in June 1938, at the age of 28, Larry felt that he had learned all that he could from reading books and watching the pilots of the Royal American. He returned home to Frankfurt, where he stole an aircraft in the middle of the night, 
and incredibly managed to not only take off, but also to return safely to the ground in it. He later bragged, It was the first time I've ever been at the controls. The boys said it couldn't be done. I took off in that plane at 3 o'clock in the morning and flew it to Danville, Illinois, and landed it in a seven-acre field. Presuming that the missing plane would be reported, Larry continued on and flew from Danville to Vernon, Illinois, where he set up as a freelance pilot offering thrill rides to paying customers. Damn. He just was like, this is mine now. (laughs) Well, I'm like, the part that I think is so interesting, he's like, just read books about it and was like, you know what? I think I think I could do this. I and think he I did could it. Fly. And he did. And he was successful in it. Yeah. That's uh. That is something I would never do. I would never be like, you know what? I can fly a plane. I'm just I'm gonna read this book about it. Yeah. And do it. But at the same time, yeah, like I wouldn't either. But I feel like there are people who is like, I can figure it out. Yeah. You know? Just like with, not just plans, but like anything really. True. You know? They read I, it and they're just like, I'll do it. Yeah, I guess I guess I can do that about some things. Yeah, about I guess plane it, flying. Well, <laughs> I think that's di- that's a bit different because it's just like. To us, it's like, no, we'll, if we say like, you know, for me, you know, I'm, I changed my own oil in my car, right? Yeah, you did. I do. I do, didn't just do. do it once. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Sorry. And, but the, uh, you know, the, I guess the downside is, I mean, I guess something bad could happen in my car if I really fucked up, but, but I'm like, I look at it as like, oh, I might get some oil all over my arm. Mm. Ooh, shucks. I'm not like, ooh, if I don't change this. The, this oil and put the oil in at the exact measurement, I'm going to crash an airplane into a building and die. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's very true. And then the other part about it is that he still has this plane and he like becomes a freelance pilot offering thrill rides to customers. And so like these customers are just trusting him to be like, yeah, he's a pilot. He knows what he's doing. He's like, I, I learned through a book. <laughs> like, yeah, but he's not, I assume he's not telling folks that. No, though. probably not. Yeah. So anyways, that's a fun story yeah, for him. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. So maybe he could have kept up this charade. However, we'll never know because he managed to get himself into a bigger problem. Mm. One of the customers who paid for a ride in his plane was a 17-year-old girl named Goldie Gherkin. (laughs) Oh, that's an interesting last name. Yeah. Larry, who was calling himself Larry Thompson at the time, not Larry Pletch, was claiming to be 24. We know he was actually 28. Mm. Quickly fell for her and the the pair embarked on a five-day aerial romance flying from place to place around the state, while Larry repeatedly begged Gherkin to marry him. Uh, when she To catch a predator, am I right? Basically. When she continually refused, Larry ended up abandoning her, leaving her sitting under a tree in a field while he flew off. Sorry, what did she, what did she refuse? She was like, no, I'm not going to marry you. And he's like, fine, I'm going to leave you in this field and fly away. Wow. <laughs> what a dingus. Yes. This part is funny. <laughs> well, I'll be the judge of that. The girl's parents, who had been frantically searching for her for the best part of a week, said they were reluctant to press charges because the mother said, quote, the young man took such good care of our daughter. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, Jesus. Like, he fucking kidnapped her and like, yeah. marry me. No, marry me. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's your impression of a young woman? No. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. The police, however, were less accommodating, and Larry was tracked down and arrested, charged with theft, and then freed on bond to await a trial and likely period of imprisonment. Mm-hmm. The trial was scheduled to begin the week after he committed his most infamous crime. I'm very... Sorry, wait. This was a week after this happened? Uh, so the trial was going to happen, Yeah. Um, but then he committed this crime, and so the trial for kidnapping Goldie yeah. didn't really go ahead. So he's about to commit a bigger yes. crime. The, yes. the big hijack. The big, right? the big hijack. Okay, because I wasn't sure. I'm like, 
at first I was like, oh, are you, is this one little plane he stole? Is this the hijacking? No, it has to be bigger than that. Also, it's a Wicked Wednesday. So I'm like, I'm trying to figure this out. I'm trying to break down. I'm like, something fucked up has to happen. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah. So I'm very intrigued. You, you've got me here. And, and I haven't even, I don't even think my ADHD medication has kicked in yet because I took it late. Yeah, you've been pretty quiet today, so. That's probably why. Yeah. I'm, I'm like listening, but I'm also like, I'm thinking more so, That's you know? Fair. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, so I just want to clarify a couple things here before I talk about what happens next. So he stole the plane in June Mm -hmm. 1938, Mm -hmm. and that's when he starts giving rides to these customers um, when he meets Goldie, Mm -hmm. and then when he comes down and gets arrested. So this is like June, July, August. Yeah. Um, Trials take a while to happen. So what I'm going to tell you is kind of happening in the interim of all of this as well. This is in between the trial and the... Well, the trial never ends up Right, right. What what should be the trial and... This is a... Not a prequel, but a betweeno. Yes. Yeah. So in September 1939... Okay, did I write that down wrong? Maybe it's a full year. Who you knows? To, you have to write it. Or you have to read it. So. Yeah. Um, I mean, that would still make sense because let's say that he kidnapped her in 1938. Trials do take a long time to actually end up happening. So it yeah. could have been a whole year that he was out on bond. Um, maybe yeah. I'll have to look that up. That's kind of wild, though, that someone would be out. Like, they're like, you kidnapped this person. You got to wait till the trial. You can be free for a year until, I mean, like, until like, it happens. That is like how bail kind of works. But it, but it's, it's whack. Though. It is, like, yeah. What if he just you know kidnaps again or does something yeah, worse that's you one know of the problems sometimes with our justice system yeah so i will maybe have to do a correction connection next week i'll look into this again to be like was this 39 that, that reminds me that to, i know quickly, i was thinking that can too. We, can we jump to that just really quick yes we're please forget. follow us our lovely lovely listeners we're gonna take a quick break here and scoot into our correction connection that we should have done at the beginning of this episode but we totally forgot so pause our thoughts on larry pletch and correction connection what's your connection what's your correction yes so last week i was talking about a ship thing called a chronometer 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 (laughs) right you said it worse this time somehow i did yeah Uh, and i was like i don't know what that is but it was broken on benjamin briggs's ship so our listener, John, let us know what it is. So a chronometer is a timepiece, and it was used for navigation in those days. They had to be fairly accurate. They were synchronized in port with a time ball, so all ships could accurately navigate. They were used in conjunction with a sextant. Now I'm like, I don't know what the fuck a sextant is. So, John, we need another correction. <laughs> I know, you know, I'll tell you right now. It's, uh, you know, words change over time, right? <laughs> and and uh, that, that was what they used to call... A sex worker? No. See, but hey, I didn't say prostitute. Good job. I was going to. Yes. And I might say it again. You might. At some point. You no, might. I probably will. Okay. So anyways, back to Larry, September 1939. Also, I think John's a pirate. Continue. Probably. <laughs> so it appears that he had rejoined the Amer- Royal American, and through this carnival, he made his way to Missouri, where he married a young woman named Frances Bales. It's unknown <laughs> how they met. I'm, just, I'm just, sorry. This is just a thing. He's like, I'm out on bail. I, I, I'm going to marry this woman named Bales. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm out on bail. I just pulled out of bail. Stop it. I don't know. It's not, it's it's not fully working, but it's, you know. Yes. 
So it's unknown how they met, maybe through the fair. And she was apparently his third wife. So I don't know where the second one came from. Mm. The marriage didn't last, however. And Francis left Larry after only a few days with one source stating that he robbed her. And that was why she ran away. Jeez. Then a month later, he borrowed a car and began searching for her. And it was at this time that he picked up in a little town of Brookfield, Missouri, and asked a man named Carl Bivens to teach him to fly. So there's a lot going in there. Wait, wait. To teach him to fly? Like to teach him to properly fly? I think so. Yeah. At this point, he'd already read he, his books. Yes. He had read his books. So like he's like... He wanted more flying more information. information. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, there's a lot going on here. I had he a gets thought, to, but I don't remember what That's it was. okay. So he's gotten a job again. Yeah. He got married, uh, tried to steal her money. She ran away. And yeah. then he was like... Fuck you. But then he was like, actually, I want her back. So he stole a car uh, and right. tried to... Borrowed a car. Sorry, he didn't steal this one. Uh, yeah. Borrowed a car, tried to find her, but then was like, ooh, that person has a plane. I'm going to go learn how to fly it. <laughs> he's just like with like shiny <laughs> things. Did he have ADHD? He he's might like, have. He's just like, you know, I got to find my wife. Ooh, sh- a shiny, a plane. <laughs> yeah, probably. So Larry took two lessons from Carl on the afternoon of October 28th, and they went well enough, though Larry asked for a third lesson in the little yellow Taylor Club monoplane that Bivens had borrowed from a friend. According to Larry, which we'll take this with a grain of salt, Bivens told him that he had a natural ability and that he should follow a career in aviation. They started the third lesson at 4 p.m. that afternoon, and 40 minutes into that flight at 5,000 feet in the air, Larry pulled out a pistol and shot Bivens in the back of the head. Bivens, this was... uh... That's the guy who... This, this was Carl? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Coral. I'm going to need this plane, Coral. That's for all you Walking Dead fans mm-hmm. out there. Yeah. It appears that Larry did this for absolutely no reason. <laughs> yeah, just for the shits and giggles. I guess you know? so. <laughs> I had a nickel for every time I shot someone just because I was bored. <laughs> Although he did provide a number of explanations for his actions. At one point, he stated that he had plotted to steal the plane in order to use it to test one of his inventions. And in another account, he stated that he and Bivens had agreed to escape in the plane and fly to Mexico, Um, which I'm like, why? This statement, the escape to Mexico, is assumed to have been an attempt to reduce his charge from first to secondary murder. You know, Sully, a.k.a. Tom Hunks, would be really disappointed in him. He would be. He's like, Tom Hunks would be like, "Uh, sure, I get it, you know, hijack this plane. But when you land it, at least do a barrel roll. <laughs> yep. Yep. So in this statement also about the escape to Mexico, Larry stated that Bivens had tried to back out of the deal midair. Larry claimed that the two men had argued and that Larry told him he was not going to double cross him. Then, according to Larry, Bivens reached across and attempted to grapple with him, losing control of the plane in the process. I just, I want to, <laughs> I want to have, like when I'm having a dis- disagreement with someone, I just want to start saying, you are not going to double cross me. Okay. <laughs> you hear me, you son of a bitch. Yes. <laughs> and so now remember, think of these planes as those ones where somebody's sitting in the front and the mm-hmm. other person's sitting in the back. That's yeah, what this type That's kind of what I was picturing. Yeah. Okay, good. So Larry thinks that, so they're fighting somehow yeah. in that position. Um, so it was only because he feared that they were about to crash that Larry drew his gun and fired at Bivens. Mm. The best evidence that this was simply a lie can be found in Larry's own account. Having claimed that he only acted in a panic to save his own life, Larry did concede that the emergency really only began after he shot Bivens. Quote, the ship, I don't know why he calls it a ship, but the ship began- I knew this was a ghost ship episode. (laughs) The ship began to pitch and then to dive. I remembered reading about a dying man stiffening at the controls, and then I fired another shot. 
I reached forward and pulled his body away from the controls. And after a few seconds, I got the plane straightened out. So he's, <laughs> uh, this is about a man stiffening at the controls. This is Larry just like, he's like, I'm, I really like flying a plane. I, I really like flying a plane. And then I'll let you figure out the stiffening for yourself, Stop. listeners. However, given the seating arrangement in the plane, Bivens was seated directly in front of Larry and also had to fly the aircraft, meaning that he was barely in a position to seriously threaten his student, i.e. fight with him in the middle of the air. Yeah. This last explanation seems extra fishy. It's more likely that the murder was nothing more than a means to an end and that Larry was simply doing what he had always done, stealing a plane and fleeing his responsibilities, mm. albeit in a startlingly strange and brutal manner. Yeah, he kind of just... Uh... He's really good at running from his problems. He really is. Yeah. And leaving people in fields. <laughs> yeah. Dead or alive. He seems to have hinted as much as, it, as much as this in what was probably the closest that he ever came to telling the truth in a statement that he made to prosecutors in Missouri. Quote, Carl was telling me that I had a natural ability and I should follow that line, which is a career in aviation. I had a revolver in my pocket and without saying a word to him, I took it out of my overalls and fired a bullet into the back of his head. Uh, he never uh, knew what struck him. Uh, how, like, Jesus. How, how dare you tell me that I'm worth something and that I should pursue a career in flying planes? Well, plane. he was probably like, oh, he's telling me I should pursue a career in flying planes, so I'm just going to take this one. And now this man's in my way, so bye-bye. But... Yeah, but, it's exactly what you're saying. Yeah, I like your joke. It was a good joke. No, oh, no, no. I'm not saying that. I'm just like, that's like... I'm just it's it's wild that that's his like <laughs> that that was his go-to like well i guess he was he was obviously he had the gun in his pocket so he's planning to kill him the whole time i assume oh maybe i hadn't thought of that yeah because I, I just assumed that people in 1939 wandered around with guns in their pockets well depending on where where <laughs> depending on where you are in missouri. the states well, yeah i don't know where how, how missouri does it but i know like say you were if you were in texas, texas yeah, so. that might just be a thing right but but like it's either that he was planning to go through it, and he's like thinking after after uh, um, what was it, Carl, Coral? Carl. Uh, after Coral said, uh, "I uh, I believe in you, son." And he's like <laughs> he's like, no no man is gonna be uh, proud of me or or maybe he had some trauma because he trauma yes his dad never believed in him yeah or he's like this is nineteen thirty nine you know yeah. and he's like. That's a little too gay for me. Pulls <laughs> out a gun, shoots him. <laughs> I, I see why you brought me up to this, uh, uh, up to this five thousand feet coral. It's uh, you. You were trying to have uh, homosexual relations with me, aren't you? Stop Bang! it. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So. Larry then went on to land the plane, empty Bivens's pockets of several hundred dollars in cash. Bivens? Yeah, his last name is Bivens. Carl. Oh, sorry, sorry. I was, um, yeah, you got to say Coral or Carl at least. I don't, who's Bivens, you know? <laughs> Steal his watch and then dump his body in a cow pasture before returning to the mm. plane and flying off. So like he likes to leave dead people in the fields. Yeah, too. but like, so why doesn't he dig a hole or something you know question. like yeah. graduate well this is the only one he's dug he's the only one he's killed so far killed well right? killed i don't know why i said so far this is the only one he killed so right as it grew dark he landed the plane in a field and spent the night in a barn the next day he then pointed the plane towards his home that is his father's home later claiming that it had been his intent to fly into his father's barn like a kamikaze a kamikaze oh, a kamikaze, kamikaze. Yeah. like a kamikaze pilot he was That's mad at his dad Oh, so this is all just tra trauma related. I guess so. It's like, fuck you, dad. Yeah. 
Larry didn't follow through on this plan and eventually landed the plane in a small farming town near Bloomington, Indiana, where he was met by a group of locals who came to gawk at the plane, having rarely seen planes before. <laughs> the, the, the people are just like, like a guy comes up and he's like, wow, what a beautiful plane. <laughs> and uh, uh, Ernest is, is just like, uh, that's a little bit too much homosexual for me. <laughs> Bang! <laughs> <laughs> just they, continues like that everyone's like just giving him compliments and he's, he's like, like i can't i'm i am uh uh he's well he's actually Ernest is probably likes the man himself and he's yeah. he's trying to run from there's a whole bunch of trauma that. going there's on a lot of trauma. Larry here. yeah they also noticed the fact that there was a bunch of blood on larry's overalls which larry explained away as coming from a nosebleed mm. larry then went on to have lunch at a nearby general store at the same time this was happening, a local telephone operator noted that the yellow plane that had just landed matched the descriptions of the stolen one that she had been hearing about all over the radio. She was also aware that the pilot of the plane had been murdered, mm. uh, seen as this had happened the day before. Wait, I'm confused, though. Uh, how did they know that this plane had... Okay, it, was a, it had been a day since this happened? Yeah, they had found so, the body. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they knew that the plane had been stolen at this yeah. point. Okay. Yeah. She notified the police to the presence of Larry in town. The cops were informed that Larry was eating at the general store, so they called to make sure that he was still there. When they called, the cook answered the phone, and the deputy instructed him to only say yes or no in response to the questions. He asked if the pilot was there, then if the cook could stall him, but not to do anything foolish because the man was dangerous. And then uh, St Steven Seagal said, I'm just the cook. <laughs> that's, a, that's a reference no. for you uh, uh, under siege fans out there. The cook was frying the hamburgers for the pilot, and he was a nervous, jittery kind of guy, but he just scooted the burgers over to the cool part of the grill so they wouldn't cook so fast. <laughs> and that's how he stalled him. Okay. Smart. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, he's... A, I mean, granted, Steven Seagal in that movie, he was just the cook, but he also but beat Steven the Seagal. shit out of all, all those guys. <laughs> yeah, he was Steven Seagal. Yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> Larry was still in the middle of eating his food when the police showed up, and Larry was again arrested. So, mm, yeah. See, this is why you don't let someone out for a year after kidnapping <laughs> someone, because yeah. then they, uh, they, they hijack a they, plane and murder they hijack the a plane, let out their, um, you know, hate for themselves about uh, being a, um, a homosexual and uh, kill people. Yeah. You know, so only you can prevent forest fires. The case was a problem for the local courts because Larry had murdered Bivens in the air or Coral in the air. <laughs> Coral! And they couldn't be sure which county he was over when the murder took place. So, because you, if you have different counties, different people have to prosecute. So, yeah. there were no laws on the books to deal with someone being murdered in the sky. <laughs> Ultimately, the case was given to the county over which the plane had flown the longest. Prosecutors were anxious to get Larry behind bars quickly because before the outraged public got too upset and perhaps took justice into their own hands. So basically, they wanted to kill him themselves. Oh. Interestingly, Bivens' widow didn't believe in the death penalty, and she asked for the court to remove the possibility of the gas chamber being a sentence imposed on Larry. The 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 gas chamber? That's how they killed people in 1939. Damn. Yeah. That's horrible. Mm -hmm. They agreed, and Larry pleaded guilty a few days later. He was sentenced to life in prison. 
But what actually ended up happening was that Larry's sentence was eventually commuted to a 25-year sentence. Mm. And in 1957, he was released altogether for good behavior and prison overcrowding. Oh, jeez. So, yeah, 1957, he's out on the streets. Okay. What did he do then? <laughs> we don't know, actually. Oh, really? So, yeah, the, he kind of just disappears into the annals of history. So. Oh, I wonder if he, I wonder if he went, went straight. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Unlikely. So after his release, Larry found work, including working as a pilot, and he remarried three more times, dying at the age of 91 in 2001. It's unknown how many wives and children Larry in, had at the time of his death. In but what year? 2001. Damn. Yeah. Uh, so it's unknown how many wives and children he had, but his obituary listed him as having 16 grandchildren and 22 grandchildren. Oh, Great shit. grandchildren. Also, okay, he died in 2001. Yes. Did he do 9 11? When did 2000? When did 9 11? No. 2001. <laughs> so, Dakota, what do you think? Well, I think he did it. I th- <laughs> we know who did it. No, 9 11. <laughs> yes, we know who did 9 11. You're right. George. W. Bush, am I right, brother? Uh, (laughs) Anyways, no. um, It's getting a little too political for me. Uh, Yeah, I thought it was really interesting. Um, I like this story. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was very well researched. Thank you. Well, (laughs) I mean, I'll give you that. It was, it was, you did a bang up job, dear. Thank you. Um, I do have just slight things okay that's fine i'm really proud of my work like i don't care what you think okay (laughs) you are just you are just a a chauvinistic pig man okay (laughs) i i did good okay so um no uh just the uh, the moniker of wicked wednesday i didn't feel that matched what this was Um, wicked wednesday is like crime oh then I guess it does. <laughs> no, but I guess you, I don't know. Wicked Wednesday to, is Wicked Wednesday to me is like, I guess fucked up shit. You know? Oh, yeah. But it, but again, it doesn't have to be necessarily that. I think maybe we just like expand what, or maybe have a conversation about just what we think what Wicked Wednesday is. So so I guess if it's the crime stuff as well, just crimes. Because because I always looked at it as crimes, but really fucked up crimes. Yeah. Well, know? yeah. So so. But uh, not always. Yeah, which is fine. Like if that's what it, what it is. Because I don't think our December Wicked Wednesday is going to be that fucked up. It's fine if we, if we now that I know that I guess going into this, uh, I've always looked at Wicked Wednesdays as being like something like someone's going to eat someone or someone's going to like you know uh, explode do, <laughs> explode or something you know. You know what? To be fair, it mm. is. Wicked Wednesday for me is crime or something gross. Right. I guess for me, for me, it's them combined. Yeah, <laughs> but, that's fair. But, but now that I know that, that's uh, good to set like set, set your expectations. expectations. So, but but overall, I thought it was uh, really interesting. I, I am finding just uh, because I didn't take my meds a little later, um, I was definitely quieter, and I didn't feel like my jokes were as like snappy as mm. usual. You know, I just wasn't on. I wasn't on point. That's fair. But I thought, yeah, I thought it was really well researched and um, just overall interesting. It's it's mm. just this guy is uh, <laughs> such a fuck, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, like literally, I think you pointed it out. He just doesn't want to take responsibility for anything, yeah. right? Like he, his dad's like, hey, you have to finish high school yeah. before I do like get you a plane or anything. Yeah. And he's like, no, fuck you. I'm going to leave. And yeah. then his wives are like, hey, maybe don't rob me. And he's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. He's uh, uh, 
he really takes the uh, expression, uh, you know, are you uh, fight, flight, or, or freeze, freeze yeah. to another level? Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> flight. Flight. <laughs> Stop it. I do think that's funny. <laughs> oh, yeah. I do too. Good. Uh, so uh, um, I will give this. Uh, hmm. I will give this seven point eight mm-hmm. disappointed Tom Hunks <laughs> out yeah. of ten. Or disappointed fathers. Yeah, but like that's just a little sad, you know. <laughs> like like that. There's no zinger to that. That's, that's just that's like just, just sad. That's just like depressing. That's fair. Um. Yeah. So yeah, no, cool. it was good. Well, that's all we have for this week. We'd like to thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to hang out with us. If you enjoyed listening to what we had to say, please download our podcast from wherever you get your podcasts, leave a review, or tell your friends about us, because indie podcasts really do grow through word of mouth. And if you want to stay in contact, you can follow us on Instagram at The Reluctant Historian, or leave us a tip at buymeacoffee.com slash thehistorian. You can also shoot us an email with future show ideas or corrections you may have noted to thereluctanthistorian at gmail.com. So, we'll see you next week. Same time, same place. I really want to get it on the books that, like conspiracy books, that Ernest, the dead Jim Jim Varney, (laughs) was behind (laughs) 9-11. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.